0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield.
1: What a beautiful throw by the Baker.
2: Big job. Hasta la vista, baby. Barts What's up, Browns fans? Jake Burns, your host. You are checking in to the OBR Film Breakdown. I hope you have had a great week so far. Quick reminder, who we have had on this week, we have had on Dennis Maniloff uh, just yesterday for your listening pleasure, former Plain Dealer writer. We have had on Lane Adkins, our OBR insider, for a Q&A session uh, and, and talking about the OTA issues right now. And then we had on Stephen Thomas for our Monday mailbag. Hopefully you checked out all three of those. And then over the weekend before, if you have not checked them out, We also had Mina Kimes, the great ESPN, I don't know, she does everything for ESPN. She's a football analyst, NFL analyst for them. And then uh, also Kevin Cole from Pro Football Focus, who does his Unexpected Points uh, Pro Football Focus podcast. He's a data scientist for them. All of those have been great. I hope you have checked them out. And if you could do so upon checking them out, uh, give us a review, uh, you know, give us a subscription first, and then a review. Five stars is always appreciated, and a little write-up that always helps too. We appreciate getting feedback on this thing. And I talk about feedback all the time. I appreciate any feedback in the Twitter DMs, Jake at the OBR.com, uh, where you can email me, let me know, guess you would like anything like that. Shout out to Sports Matt CLE, who hooked me up with a fantastic background cover image. I think you can see it back there. It's a canvas. What a guy. Seriously. Very kind gesture. Appreciate that very much. Um, So we will now transition. Oh, I should say, too, subscribe to the YouTube channel so you know when we go live every time. Most of you do that. Appreciate it. We put this up on Twitter and Facebook as well for your viewing pleasure as well. We're going to talk Baker Mayfield tonight, and I try to highlight things we have up at the OBR. I'm going to welcome on our OBR analytics guru, Cody Sweck. Cody, what's up, man? What's happening? How are you? Bernsley, how's it going, man? Thanks for having me on. Of course. We're going to run some Baker tape from various games. This is just meant to divert you from our ugly faces. Uh, but we're going to talk about this article that I think was one of Cody's best analytical studies because there's interesting data that drives Baker Mayfield's resurgence, not just from 2019, but I, what I thought was a little bit of a lackluster start to this year as well. Take me back. We're going to start, and if we're going through this thing. If you have not read it, we're essentially going to track through it. You should take the time to read it because I think it's a fun study. The accuracy of Mayfield in 2019. 2018 was pretty good. Talk to me about 2018 and then what happened in
0: 2019, Cody. Sure. When, when we talk about evaluating quarterbacks, I think the most important of the tangible traits per se, one of if not the most important, is accuracy. A lot of fans and a lot of scouts still focus predominantly Right now, on arm strength, well, the guy could throw it 65 balls in the air, 65 air yards in the air, but I don't care about that. I want to know how accurate are you from the line of scrimmage to 15 yards downfield with the ball? Are you accurate? Are you exact with your ball placement? That's where the majority of throws in football come from, and that's where Mayfield's at his best is, is um, his accuracy. So that's how he was good in college. He was sixth in efficiency rating in collegiate football history, 11th in completion percentage. Coming out of Oklahoma, so if we look to back to 2018, he finished in the top tier in most accuracy categories. Uh, one we talked about was big time third percentage. Uh, that's a PFF metric that measures excellent ball location and timing. It's a ball that's maybe a little bit further downfield into a tighter window. He was third in that metric. He was fifth in accuracy plus, and he was also top in more of your catchable ball uh, metrics. Um, That was a great year. I think a lot of that, all of us got lost a little bit that year in the weeks 9 through 17 because just how well that offense was humming under Freddie Kitchens, which Kitchens, I, I love the guy. I'd love to sit down and have a beer with him sometime and, you know, shoot the proverbial, you know what, but I don't want him anywhere near my football team these days. I think Baker has been better off without him. I think we saw that last year under Stefanski, but in 2018, his accuracy was great. But if we want to fast forward to 2019, when Kitchens took, Kitchens took over, without Kenny Zampese, without Al Saunders kind of being the passing game coordinators or devising the red zone plays, we saw that his accuracy just plummeted. He was in the bottom half of all those metrics we just discussed, whether it's turnover play percentage, on target percentage, meaning is he hitting a receiver in stride? He was 25th in that, only around 73% of his Passes were actually on target. Um, completion percentage over expectation, he was almost dead last. Negative 3%, meaning that we expected him to complete X. He actually completed Y, and his Y was lower than his X. That's not what you want to see. Um, his catchable percentage was low, and his intercept- interception percentage was only second to last to James Winston when he had uh, the ridiculous infamous season. Um, and we look back to that year – with Kitchens and Baker, you could see him. He was just uncomfortable in the pocket. He was sitting there holding on the ball too long. He was escaping clean pockets. He was sitting there with the happy feet, or he just kept patting the ball and patting the ball, not keeping his eyes downfield and doing that. It's now infamous at this point to sliding back to the right and back into and the right over and over again. He just, I think it was part of that was because the team as itself, top down, was just completely disorganized. Nobody knew after the plays were scripted what was coming next. So he was just a guessing game out there. Players out of position, receivers running disadvantageous routes, and it worked against him without a doubt.
2: We'll talk about the 2020 rebound because I think I think that's where uh, everybody turned their attention to. I think it's been universally accepted that 2019 was a disaster. Yeah. Baker played a part in it, but uh, the the disaster you laid out pretty well there. So 2020 arrives, and it's sort of a tale of three. I guess you could say it third. Like the first third's pretty rough, but then the second and 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 you know, the third part of that three stages is pretty
0: damn good. So talk about that. Yeah, I like to focus from that week 8 point on. Um not to not to sway the statistics or anything above those means. It's it's to really get to where the offense started to gel. I feel bad for Odell Beckham when he went out in week 5. I think he was the offense wasn't reached that point yet, but it was getting there. So once we get to that, around that week eight time frame, every players, they have a rhythm with each other, they have a comfortable a comfortableness, comfortability, whatever the word is, with each other, and um, everybody's comfortable within the scheme. So if we look from just that section of week eight to week six, seven, week 17, he was first in turnover play percentage, meaning that only 1.5% of his throws were considered turnover worthy by PFF. He was second in interception percentage with only 0.3% of his throws were, were, went for interceptions, and he was third in on-target percentage. When you think about that, some people will be like, well, was he throwing screens? Was he throwing bubbles? Was he throwing little hitch, five-yard hitch, comeback routes? No, he was still sixth in average intended air yards over that time frame. So he's pushing the ball downfield with accuracy in frame in structure so his, play, his players can make the play with the ball after catching it.
2: Which, which one? I think that there were real genuine strides there made from the accuracy department. Comfortability, you made a point about week eight. I just talked a little bit about this uh, this point with Brad Ward where I kind of viewed the first seven weeks as a get-to-know-each-other thing. You know, Everybody was growing to who they were, what the concepts were. They got no preseason. They got an abbreviated training camp. There was a lot that went into that, Cody, and I think I think that that should be understood. And then if you look at when he started to become comfortable with who he had around him, what the scheme was, what his coach liked to call, what his coach knew he liked, it started to click. That's why there should be huge levels of optimism because the dream has always been to get Baker with a play caller who can start to understand him as a quarterback, right? That's the biggest thing he needs. The guys that win with their arm and their mind, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, found long-term play callers who understood them and they worked hand-in-hand over long periods of time. To become comfortable with what they like to do. That's that's what the hope is with Baker, uh, and that's what is really the most makes me feel the most optimistic about him. Let's go to your next category, the deep ball, which is where he really, I think he really
0: shined this past season. Yeah, I, I like in the deep ball in the NFL to kind of like it's like the long the long ball in golf. I mean, sure. not to mention Bryson and Brooks Kepka, what's going on with those two guys right now? But. Uh, <laughs> The deep ball, it, it, he thrived in 2018 when he came in the league, um, especially over the second half of the season. I think only Drew Brees had a better, a better uh, completion percentage. No, he's actually first. From that last section, we talked about weeks 9 through 17, when Kitchens took over with Al Saunders, with Kenny Zampisi. When we look at throws specifically 20 yards or greater downfield, Mayfield was first in adjusted completion percentage. 53.7% of his balls were completed over that depth, passing depth. He was third in touchdowns with seven. And he was fifth in passer rating over that, over that depth. Um, around 16% of his throws were 20 yards bare down the field. So he was pushing the ball down the field at that time. And he really, really got into a rhythm there without even a really a, a great deep threat on the team at the time. There was nobody, like not to get ahead, but there wasn't an Anthony Schwartz on the team at the time. There was not a Will Fuller, a deep threat guy. There wasn't anybody there. He made plays with what he has. And that's something I think he's really been good with thus far in his career.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: Yeah, couldn't agree more. Well, we, you talked. Did you talk there about twenty twenty and the kind of resurgence from twenty nineteen a little bit?
0: Yeah, twenty nineteen he was pretty much right back to where he was in, in twenty eighteen. He was fourth in positive play percentage. Which, when we say positive play percentage, that that's a scenario where the team had a positive expected points added, or just consider that a successful play for the offense. Fifty one point nine percent of his throws of at that depth twenty or yards better were considered positive plays. Um, he was seventh in EPA, and he was fifth in on-target percentage at that depth. Again, I think that could be even better going forward with the addition of Anthony Schwartz, a guy with a 42540, a guy that can take the top off the defense, create mismatches, not only down the field, but in the yak game, and also open up some stains in the middle underneath as well. Um, one thing we also mentioned in the piece was that if we look at the top 11 scoring offense from last year and points per game, Five of those were in the top ten in deep ball pass attempts. So it's a good thing when you can push the ball downfield. Not just a good thing to push it downfield. But you also have to be really good at it, and that's what Baker is right now.
2: At least that's the ceiling we saw last year. They, the, you mentioned Schwartz. There could be more of that coming. You get Odell back. They would. They, I think they were. They're in like the fifty-two to fifty-five throws, twenty yards downfield or more. Yeah, I think they would love to get that into the sixty-five, seventy range. So, hopefully, that happens. Talk about the Kevin Stefanski factor you highlighted.
0: With Stefanski and Baker, I don't think you could have built a better offense around him in a lab. You know, you're talking about 12 personnel, play action, and boot action. Play action has always been a strength for Mayfield throughout his three years in the NFL. Um, even though Kitchens and Stefanski called relatively the same amount of plays from play action, that's 30 versus about 29%, you could see Mayfield this year really take his time with his with his uh, play-action fakes. A lot of people, when they talk about play-action, will be like, well, you need an effective ground game, which the Browns have in spades, obviously. There's no doubt about that. But that doesn't matter. What matters in play-action, you want to freeze those second-level defenders.
2: And And he deserves credit, Cody. He really – I was disappointed in how he – how much attention to detail he had in general in the season and and how he came into the season, but how he carried himself in those – play action scenarios. He did not commit himself to it. There was a total reversal there.
0: It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that that from last year to this year, it's like last year, it was like he didn't have a quarterback coach. He was out there just swinging it. That's not to degrade anybody that was on that coaching staff at the time. I'm just saying those play action fakes last year, weren't even play action fakes. He rushed through it. There was no attention to detail and nobody bought the fakes. But If you look at this year, he's taking his time. He he was, uh, and not just taking his time with his fakes and freezing the defenders, I think the receivers are also running more advantageous routes via the play action schemes. And when we talk about play action, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention boot action as well. A little bit of misdirection, get Baker out of the pocket, maybe some better at lanes and um, play the his drinks. That's what Stefanski does, not just with Mayfield, but with everybody on the team. I know we only have one year of data, one year of game film, but he seemingly has a knack right now, of putting players in the best position to succeed. And that's play and boot action with Baker Mayfield at this point in his career.
2: Yeah, I was talking about that with Brad Warder's show I was just on. Is how exciting it will finally get to maybe have not not maybe we will get another year of data from this offense about personnel groupings and like looking back at Baker and how often they went to play action and all of those different things. It'll be really cool to finally have consistency and structure and coaching because you can compare what did. You know what did Stefanski do in 2020 versus what did he do in 2023, 24, 25? Like how is it changing over time? That that thing will be really fun to track. I think it's an interesting thing. And look, Go ahead.
0: Sorry, sorry. Enemy drive tribute. Kind of look no, at the plate calling tendencies too. Um, when you get that year on tape, everybody now sees what you did for the last year. You have to kind of revert those tendencies a little bit. Maybe a little misdirection. Change it up a little bit. But uh, also to quote Blue Chips, classic movie, if you haven't seen it, highly recommend. Um, Sometimes it's not what you do, it's how you do it. Even if you do become predictable, you have to do things absolutely correct, even if you are predictable in that scenario to be successful. Um, Without a doubt. That'll be something to see in 2021.
2: Well, you talk about another coach on staff, and that's, uh, um, you know, it's Bill Callahan. Talk talk about the effect that Bill Callahan has and Uh, We'll throw up here a little graphic that we have that that our good friend Seth made uh, that covers this topic a little bit in depth.
0: Well, kudos to Seth for the graphic, by the way. One of the best in the business. Um, We talked about Bill Callahan, probably the best offensive line coach in football and one of the best of all time, without a doubt. Um, I know Andrew Barry, obviously with the player acquisition side, was bringing in Jack Conklin at right side to take over Chris Hubbard. That was a big change, huge change to get protection on the front side for Baker Mayfield. And you also have to give him credit with Jedrick Wills Jr., a guy that went from right tackle at Bama, which was to his blind side. Okay, I understand it, but he's flipping the left tackle now. You have to completely switch that muscle memory um, when you move from that position right to left. And either Wills said himself how much of an impact Callahan had on him um, and growing his game to the next level. And when, when we talk about Callahan, I think what would – and Baker Mayfield, the correlation as we look at that graphic is how Baker is under pressure versus no pressure, no pressure meaning a clean pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at those categories, you could see the differentials between on target, dropped by 13.7%. His adjusted net yards per attempt dropped by 6.5. Touchdown percentage, how many of his throws went for a touchdown, went by one and a half percent. Passer rating dropped by 50. EPA, was dropped by almost 176 points when he's in under pressure versus no pressure. That's with direct credit to both Callahan, with his teaching abilities, and also with AB, with bringing in the talent of the guys to protect Baker Mayfield up front to give him some time to get to the playmakers. Everybody talks about, oh, we're surrounding this guy with this guy, with this guy, and this guy. I don't care how much talent you have on the outside at talent at running back, at tight end. If you have no time to throw the ball, it doesn't matter. Look at Joe Burrow. It's a scar on his knees telling you right now doesn't matter how much talent he has on the outside if he has two point two seconds per throw, you need more time to get him the ball
2: yeah you want you want a lot more no pressure situations than you do those those pressure situations. The thing that Baker's got to get better at is how he handles pressure. I think that that's a big next level to unlocking him uh, and I'm curious as we kind of close here cody what what do you see as a successful season from Baker Mayfield? Like when we look back at the end of 2021, what, what sorts of things make you think, okay, I, I needed to see him do this, and he showed me that this year?
0: I think you just said one, which was dealing better with pressure. And we, we see obviously how bad the advanced metrics are in that scenario. He's playing behind the best line in football. There's any doubt about that. But there's going to be times when you're facing the TJ Watts of the world, where you're going to have to get better with that ball quickly and effectively. So I want to see him better under pressure. Um, statistically, I want to see, similar to last year, a three-to-one, two-and-a-half-to-one touchdown-interception ratio. Make sure you're taking the ball. Don't revert back to that 2019 where you're just dishing the ball out left and right. I know he's an inherently aggressive quarterback by nature, throws into some tight windows, but take care of the ball. Win the turnover differential, and your team will have um, a good win-to-loss ratio. Um, QB wins are obviously a myth. That's not a real thing. we got to get back to the playoffs. And I think a lot of it does ride on him and his performance, taking care of the ball, getting the ball to Beckham, to Higgins, to Hooper, getting the running backs involved in the passing game more. I think that's a big growth factor for him and Stefanski, Mm -hmm. especially Nick Chubb. I know we talk about Kareem Hunt, and even with Demetrius Felton, he's going to be an asset, come out of the backfield or even in the slop, get Chubb the ball too. He can get the ball in the screens and the flats. And uh, that's part of the three biggest, right there.
2: I would say too something that I would love to see on top of that is you know Baker had a great amount of success in, uh, and this is not a predictable thing year to year. When when you're working outside of structure, uh, it's it, your success is really not something. If you have a good year with that, it's not predictable year to year. Talk to anybody who covers this stuff; they'll tell you the same because. When you break down from a playing chaos or you get out of the pocket, you cannot predict where DBs are going to be and you can't predict where your own guys are going to be and the scramble drill comes into play and all that stuff happens. So it's tough to say like consistently successful stuff happens outside of the pocket year to year. Baker was really good outside of structure in 2019, 2018, his rookie year. He found a lot of success. Think back to the Carolina play where he's floating to his left out of the pocket and hits that ridiculous window to Jarvis in the left corner of the end zone against the Panthers at home. I was
0: actually, I was actually it, at that game. That was right near me.
2: It was yeah. wild. And, and yeah. those plays he can do, he can make those plays. He had a lot of success in 18. He had some in 2019 and 2020, I just don't think the ball bounced his way outside of the pocket. I thought he missed some people that were turning upfield at the last moment. There was a play in the Washington game, I remember specifically, one in, um, I think there was one in Jacksonville that he really missed. He just didn't see him. That's a part of the unpredictability. I would like to see Baker see some of those bigger shots he can make when he gets out of chaos. I know we want him to become more comfortable, uh, and he's going to have to keep winning from the pocket, and I thought he made great strides there. But I want to see him in 2021 make some big plays outside of the pocket. You know, Think about the turnover in Kansas City where he throws into that chaos that Tyron Matthew picks it off there. So he needs to be better. If he can continue to improve where he has been from the pocket, get, keep making strides the way he did in 2020, but then add some success uh, that there is reminiscent to his 2018 uh, when he gets out of the pocket, that's when you're looking at a 4,000-yard, 35-touchdown type of season. So that's what I would love to that's see. Cody, goal. man, I think this that's is – it is. It is. If he yeah. can make the best of both worlds there is is where he finds the big, big, big seasons for him. And that's stuff, like I said, that's the difference between one year throwing 28 touchdowns and one year throwing 34, 35, or even more. That's just the little – little differences and plus he gets an extra game this year that'll help so Cody okay. this has been great man guys go read that article it's really enlightening we talked about a lot of things from it but there's also a lot of things in the writing that are there too and, and Cody will answer any questions you have in comments or Twitter or whatever. Uh, he's at Cody Sweck on Twitter. He keeps it very simple. It's his name so no under no underscores, no numbers. It's uh Luck, it's nice not like a great that. imagination. <laughs> well Jake not Burns was reads. taken. I tried I tried to use that one it was taken so I had to I had to use mine I, my limited imagination but brother this was good Man, I really appreciate you, Cody. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Of course, guys, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thanks again to Cody, uh, taking some time away from his family to join us tonight. Make sure to read his article, Join Us at the OBR, Dollar for Your First Month. We appreciate your support for our journalism and our efforts. And I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. We'll be back with one more. We might be starting the OBR Chalk Talk session with John Stephenson tomorrow, which I will be pretty pumped about. We will have on the OBR's uh, YouTube channel here, and we'll put it in the audio form as well. So thanks for joining us, guys. We'll have so much more on Baker throughout the rest of the offseason, and Cody will be spearheading our data behind that, and a thank you to him as well again. So, guys, see you later, and until next time, go Browns.